Happy New Year. Welcome to 2017. Thanks for being at Parkway Fellowship. My name is Colton, the media pastor here. How many made it to midnight last night? A few more in this than the last service. Our 9 a.m. faithful, they called it an early night. I, I watched the, uh, the fleur de lis drop in New Orleans and then I kissed my wife on the way to bed. It was an early morning for me. Whether you've already made your resolutions for 2017 or you're still trying to figure it out, I think that God wants us to take a different approach this year than maybe we have in years past. Our resolutions often are self-centered, they're short-sighted, they're focused on us and that's probably why we only make it a few weeks because they're not really that important. They don't need to last. I think God wants us to take a more eternal approach to 2017. Investing in things and people in a way that will uh, exponentially grow and impact for the kingdom. Things that will last into eternity. Summer after I turned 16, I knew God was calling me into ministry. I just wasn't sure that's what Colt wanted. I mean, I was 16. Didn't really know what I wanted except a sweet truck and a good-looking girlfriend. Right? I had neither. Yeah. I played the tuba. I drove a 1985 Honda Accord. And I was the guy that was friends with all the girls with zero chance of dating any of them. I was the nice guy. I like to say I was king of the friend zone. Yeah. That same year, my mom remarried and we moved across the state of Oklahoma to a new town, new school, new friends, new home, new stepdad. That was a big adjustment after six years of just my mom and me. While I was unsure of myself, I was also unsure of how that would impact God's call on my life. But like any high school teenager, I masked it with incredible self-confidence. I spent the next few years of high school, most of my college experience, trying to understand what it would mean to fulfill God's call on my life. All while still trying to fit in and be a teenager who worked at the grocery store for my gas money. Found myself asking questions like, can God really use me? Am I sure he wants me to be a pastor? Where should I go to college if this is what he wants for my life? Can I do ministry but not work at a church? Do I have to marry a pastor's wife? I mean, does my wife have to want to be a pastor's wife? Sorry. Can I get married? Will I get married? I mean, I was king of the friend zone, you know? Things a 16-year-old asks themselves. There was a time in those years where I lived with a very short-sighted mindset, focused on myself, not preparing what God called me to do. Sometimes I spend entire years avoiding it. Haven't we all been in that place at one time or another, though? God calls us to do something, and because of our fear or our uncertainty, we distance ourselves from it, or even more, we run the other way, right? Maybe God's asking you to consider a different career or just a different position in your company because you need to spend more time with your family, but you're fearful of what it might mean to take a pay cut or how successful you might be. Maybe we 
spend a little more time on our hobbies, a little more money on our hobbies than we should, neglecting our savings accounts and credit card bills. Then when it comes time to be generous, we can't afford to help. Often we make good resolutions, but then we follow it up with selfish, short-sighted decisions. Think about if we were to invest that energy into things that had an eternal impact. And more than just investing in things, what if we invested in other people? Think about the exponential growth that could come from that type of eternal resolve, that kind of eternal mindset. So as we make our resolutions for this year, let's explore how God wants us to live with eternity in mind, with that eternal resolve. Today we're going to be in chapter 12 of Romans, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Up to this point, the first 11 chapters, he's outlined a theology of what we need to believe. And then in chapter 12, he makes a therefore and it turns into practical application. If you haven't already, pull out your message notes. And let's ask this question. And let's find the answer to this question. How do I live with an eternal resolve in 2017? Well, the first thing is that I need to live transformed. I need to live transformed. Look at verses 1 and 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Circle that word present. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Underline living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Underline those two words. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now there's two parts to living transformed. The first is this. I need to worship God by sacrificing self. I need to worship God by sacrificing self. As a Christ follower, the first thing you have to realize is that you were called to worship God. You're created to worship God. And you can't worship God and be selfish at the same time. It's impossible. The two, don't, the two don't go together. So in order to worship God, you have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Your desires, your bodies, your whole self. Now, Presenting yourself is more than just yielding to your desires until it's inconvenient to continue following. It's more than surrendering, saying, okay, God, I surrender, and then you uh, endure uh, isolation like a prisoner of war. When you, when you sacrifice yourself, submit yourself to God, he doesn't make you a captive, but quite the opposite. He actually sets you free. You find joy in that sacrifice giving yourself, presenting yourself to God. Think about how you wrapped your Christmas presents a few weeks ago. The painstaking effort to make sure there weren't any wrinkles, right? Some more painstakingly than others. But make sure that ribbon wasn't all twisted funky. The names were spelled right. Think about when you found the perfect gift. And then you presented that perfect gift and the receiver opened it. The joy that they received, think about the joy that that gave you to present that gift. That's the same energy that we're to present ourselves to God. Because when you sacrifice yourself, you bring a deeper act of worship to God. You were created to worship. 
It's naturally within you to want to do the thing that you're created to do. When we worship him by sacrificing ourselves, it brings joy and it helps us focus on living with eternal resolve. There's a second thing that we have to do to live transformed and it's this. It's your next fill-in. I must renew right thinking. I must renew right thinking. I had you underline be transformed. The word transformed there in the Greek is metamorpho. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis. Think about the transformation that a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. Or a tadpole is transformed into a frog. What Paul's talking about there is this continual process that God brings us through. He does it by the renewing of your mind, he says. Without that renewal transforming you, he says you would naturally find yourself being conformed or pressed into the patterns of this world. Something that we know to be very short-sighted. This world will not last forever. Now, maybe you already find yourself there. Maybe you're on the verge and you say, well, how do I renew my mind? Well, the first places to start are pretty obvious if you've been around church at all, but Bible reading and prayer, okay? For Bible reading, I recommend an app called the Bible app. It's the most popular one in all the app stores. There's an icon picture of it. You may already have it. We always have our phones with us, right? Always. It's the first thing we touch in the morning, generally. Even if maybe today you said, hey, I'm going to start 2017 differently and I'm going to charge this thing in the kitchen, all right? What was the first thing you touched after you got out of bed? You probably went to the kitchen, picked up your phone. Okay, it's 2017. Technology is here. But if we can redeem the technology for eternal purposes, why wouldn't we do that? So the Bible app has... uh, They have reading plans. They have guides to help you. I just started one called Word of God Speak, and it's it's four plans that are each three months long, so it'll take me through the whole year. But I'll read through the whole New Testament, and then I'll hit all the high points of the Old Testament. That's my plan for 2017. They have three-day plans, seven-day plans, 30-day plans, six-month plans, a year plans, different topics, different devotionals. You can read based on a book of the Bible. But the the key is to develop a habit of regular Bible reading so that you renew your mind and you develop that eternal perspective. Now for prayer, I just found this app about six weeks ago. It's called the Echo Prayer app and it's free as well. The Bible app's free, this one's free. What it does, it lets me put in prayer requests. I can categorize them, I can group them. I can set it to give me a specific amount of time to pray for each request so it could guide me through my prayer time. But what I love about it is, is it can send me reminders. So I have reminders at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. every day to pray. And it pulls something random off my prayer list and reminds me to pray. What it has done for me these last six weeks is it's changed my perspective on my day. It's helped me to focus on more than just myself. It reminds me to pray for those things that I need to be in prayer for. But more than just what we take in, I would also contend that God is just as concerned with what we keep out, what you keep out of your mind. It's not enough just to take in scripture, but you also need to pay attention to what you allow in from the world, right? So how do you know what's good, what's not? You filter everything through the ultimate standard of truth, right? God's word. So imagine it like this, all right? I'm gonna look at the world through God's word, and that's kinda nice, because I can see your faces now, not just bright lights. How are y'all doing today? When I, look through the wor- when I look at the world through God's word, I see where he's moving. 
I see where he's trying to teach me something. I see where there are places I can get involved to further the kingdom. But I also see things that I need to distance myself from. Areas where I need to filter more. Maybe I need to filter completely. Like a toxic relationship that I need to walk away from. Okay? You get it? Especially important that we do that through our social media profiles. How often do you read your Facebook with your own personal bias, your own personal opinion, instead of filtering through God's word? If you do that, if you filter through God's word when you're on Facebook or Twitter or you're on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever your platform is, it changes everything. It renews right thinking in our minds. Renewing that right thinking, worshiping God through sacrificing self is the, is the foundation. It's the most important. That's why Paul said it first. After 11 chapters of think about this, believe this, understand this, then he says, therefore, do this. Be transformed. Live transformed. Now, maybe you're here today, and for you, you're looking for something in 2017. You're not sure what it is. You realize you've been pressed in to the world. You realize you, you got to change something. Well, I would contend if you've never given your life to follow Jesus Christ, that's the first place to start. That's going to be how you're going to live transformed. That's the first step. In the back of your message notes at the bottom, there's a sample prayer there. You don't have to pray that prayer, but you pray a prayer like it. The point is that the truth that are encompassed in those words have to be spoken out from your heart. And when you believe those words, you're asking God to come in and forgive you, committing your lives to following him, he moves in and begins that transformation process. So if you've never done that, January 1, 2017, there's no better day to, than today to commit your life to follow Christ. For the rest of us, for all of us, there's a second thing that we can do to have eternal resolve, and that's this. I need to serve with purpose. I need to serve with purpose. Paul continues on. Verse four and following, he says, just as each of us has one body, circle one, with many members, circle many. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. He's talking about the church there. The, the big church, the people, not the building, the people. Each member belongs to all the others. Then underline these next four words. We have different gifts. According to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Here Paul's comparing the church to a body. He points out that you don't have the same function as everyone else. If we did, we'd all be eyes, or we'd all be ears, or we'd all be feet. Imagine if we were all feet. Stinking here. You have to identify the gifts that God has given you right now. If you don't know what that is, maybe your family and friends could help you, or Somebody here at the church could help you. Think about the ways you excel at work or in your hobbies. 
What do you enjoy doing? What are you most fulfilled doing? Start there. But it's more than just identifying the gift. You have to put it into practice, right? You have to put those skills into practice. See, spiritual gifts come with a unique set of skills. And those skills have to be developed. The more you practice, the more successful you are in using them. That makes a more effective body when everything's working together, right? Think about it this way. When you use a muscle you haven't used in a while, it hurts after the first few workouts, doesn't it? Yeah, that's why I don't work out. <laughs> I don't, but, you know, I need to. So, but then it gets stronger and it's able to do that function better. Think about at work when you get a new task. It takes time to figure it out, right? You build your system and you have to refer to your notes over and over again. Over time, you quit referring to your notes as much. And then eventually, you just do it without thinking, right? Same thing with your spiritual skills. So, how can you put your skills to work? Well, first, it's obvious. I mean, some of the obvious ones right here at Parkway. You can serve with our kids or our students or with adults. But serve where you're gifted. Maybe you're a behind-the-scenes kind of person, and your gift is just serving. Serve on our data entry team or on one of our tech teams. Maybe you're a hospitality. Uh, greet people at the door. Make sure the coffee's fresh and the donuts are appetizing. Help people find a seat. Maybe you're a teacher. You need to lead a small group for our kids or our students or other adults so they can continue to grow spiritually. It's more than just serving in the church. There are tons of ways that you can serve in the community and around the world. Maybe you can help provide food to needy families. You could teach English to refugees. Maybe you could mentor a fatherless teen whose mom is his only positive influence in his life. And she has to work two jobs to put food on the table. Or maybe you could financially support that single mom so she doesn't have to work two jobs. And she can be at home with her kids at night and then still mentor that teen because he still needs a dad, still needs a positive influence beyond his mom. Start a Bible study at your office or pray for your coworkers when they walk by and they just dump all their junk right there on your desk, right? They're, the, in, the possibilities are endless, but the point is do something with your skills, do something with your gifts because when you do, you get outside of yourself and you think with that eternal resolve. You think with that eternal mindset. But there's a third thing that Paul tells us we can do to have eternal resolve this year. And that's this. I need to love actively. I need to love actively. See, the rest of the chapter is a list of commands that Paul gives for Christ followers to put their faith into actions through loving others. Now, here's a little side note tidbit for you if you need some Bible trivia, Romans chapter 12, the chapter in the whole Bible that has the most, the single most commands, God gives us the commands, single most, so there's a whole bunch there. I picked three that I think pretty well encompass the bulk of the list. I think doing these things will help you quickly develop an eternal resolve. So the first thing that you need to do is I need to honor others. Look at verse 10, I need to honor others. Look at verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another. Underline that. Honor one another. 
above yourselves. Now, let me, let me just model this for you. I'm going to honor somebody who's had a significant spiritual impact in my life. Her name is Anna Mae Marler. Today, she's 92 years old. Last week, while we were in Oklahoma, we went and visited her. There's her, my Katie and me, at her house. And we walked in, and the first thing she said to me was something to the effect of, God loves you. I'm so proud of you. The whole hour we spent was evident that just the love of Christ and the love for Christ and the love for children poured out of her. In the midst of that hour, she told me, she said, Colt, God called me to teach children about Jesus. I said, well, Anna Mae, how, how many years did you teach Sunday school? She was my Sunday school teacher when I was little. She said, 54 years. 54 years. She lived beyond herself. She lived with an eternal resolve to teach people, teach children about Jesus. Imagine how many kids came to know Jesus because of her and her faithfulness to serve with her skills, the things that God had called her to do, to be faithful, to live with an eternal resolve. She would name, hey, do you remember this person? Hey, do you remember this person? Hey, what about this person? I think they're doing this and they're doing this. And her grandson, Bradley, actually was my age and he died of leukemia about four years ago. And so we had some time to remember Bradley and, and um, it was just an incredible time together. And honoring her in that way, to make time to go see her, was a simple way to honor her. Sharing with you today uh, about her is a simple way to honor her. But God calls us to honor others. Why? Because when we honor others, it's not about us. We can't be selfish and honor somebody else at the same time. There's a second thing he tells us to do, and that's to be generous. I need to be generous. Verse 13, he says, share with God's people who are in need. Circle that word share. I have to teach my two-year-old right now what it means to share. Everything is mine. That's mine. This is mine, even if she's not upset about it. This is mine. No, it's not. It might be yours for now, or it might be yours and your sister's, or it might be the neighbor uh, who's letting you borrow it. But we have to share the things that we've been given. Right? So we've, we've taught her to say, instead of, sh instead of mine, she says, I like that. <laughs> we're, she still doesn't do it every time, but we're trying to teach her to say, I like that. So that she recognizes that the things that she's been given aren't for herself, but they're for other people. I can speak from experience. Many of you in this room, people in this community, been incredibly generous to us. You know what it means to be generous. Seven months ago, our house flooded. We lost everything. The way that people came around us to, to offer their money, their time, to clean out our nasty, muddy house possessions, the piles and piles of laundry that people washed to try and salvage for us, the dishes and the possessions that were cleaned, the trash that was picked up out of the ditch, the yards that were mowed, the trees that were helped cut down. There are times that I feel like George Bailey at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. I just stand there and just people are 
flooding in. Just whatever they can give, offering it to me and my family. So all I can do today is stand up here and say thank you to those of you that have helped and to been generous toward us because um, the, many of the possessions that we lost have already been replaced. Had somebody buy me a brand new lawnmower, really nice lawnmower. People have given us bedroom suits, dining room suits, mattresses, clothes, appliances. The list could go on and on. But people have been incredibly generous. Many of you have been incredibly generous to my family and me. So thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with generosity. The answer is to give something away. Time, money, possessions. God promises that you won't go without what you need. So give something away. Help somebody else in need. And the more you do that, the more it develops that eternal resolve inside you. The more that helps you to understand that it's not just about you. Besides, have you ever seen a U-Haul in the back of a hearse? I haven't. We can't take it with us. If you're not sure where to start, our annual Christmas missions offering is a great place. Helps to serve people who have been caught up in human trafficking, orphans, widows, refugees, poor families. Great way to get involved. Great way to start being generous. There's a third thing. Finally, here's what I want you to see. That Paul tells us that I need to strive for peace. I need to strive for peace. Look at verse 18. There it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. I want you to underline those three words. Live at peace. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Not just some people. Not just the people that agree with you. Not just the people you get along with. With everyone. Now, let me tell you, if you want to sabotage your 2017 before it ever starts, the fastest way to do that is to harbor bitterness towards someone else. Not forgiving someone because they've wronged you. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Let me say that again. Drinking, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. What it does inside you is it makes you very self-centered. Because you think that they're wrong against you, it's the worst thing ever. Let me tell you a truth. Here's the truth. There's no sin that they could have committed against you that should be beyond your forgiveness. Because there's no sin that you could have committed against God that would put you beyond his. Can I say that again? There's no sin that they could have committed against you that should put you beyond, put them beyond your forgiveness because there's no sin you've committed that put you beyond God's forgiveness. So if God can forgive it, so can you. But it's more than just letting go of unforgiveness. We have to be peacemakers. 
We need to seek unity and maintain that unity before it gets to the point of unforgiveness. You do that through kind words, encouraging one another, finding common ground with those you disagree with. It's a big one. I hope 2017 is not as contentious as 2016. And I hope that the church leads the way in finding common ground with those that we find disagreement with. That we love others in grace. That we seek to build unity, to rebuild unity and to maintain it. Now, one more thing. Then I'll get off this little soapbox. But your Facebook profile is an extension of who you are personally. If you wouldn't say it to somebody's face, don't say it on Facebook. If you wouldn't talk about it in a conversation around here, don't share it or repost it on Facebook. That's living short-sighted. That's focusing on things that don't have eternal impact. Instead, we need to redeem the technology and we need to use it for God's glory and we need to use it to give ourselves and those around us an eternal resolve. If we will love actively, serve with purpose, and live transformed, this could be our best year yet. And I hope and pray that it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look back to 2016, we consider all the blessings and lessons that you gave us then. Don't let us forsake those or forget those. But let us look forward to 2017 with an eternal resolve an eternal mindset and perspective. God, would everything our hands find to do serve a greater purpose than our own short-sighted desires? Would you help us to play the long game, invest in others, so that we can have an eternal impact with our own lives? Let it start in our own hearts as we worship you with all that we have to give. We ask everything in Jesus' name. Amen.